Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Who's got a fear? No, no fears. No, just... <laughs> we're all pretty good here. The, the nine o'clock service was really afraid. But... <laughs> um, I, I think we've all got, you know, fears. Some of them are justified. Some of them aren't. I've got a, a couple of fears that are sort of some of those common ones. I'm afraid of spiders. Um, spiders, especially huntsmen's. Huntsmen's. I know they're not harmless, and I know all that stuff, but but oh, I'm so scared of them. I think the reason being, when I was growing up. It was never like, look at the huntsman in the tree. It was because I was so active. It's like I was the one in the tree. So it's like, look at the huntsman on your shoulder. It was always, always like you know, on your neck. Spiders. Um, the other fear that I've got is fear of heights. And, and look, I love abseiling. I love mountain climbing. I just don't like looking down. It's just that, oh. Um, any other fears? Yep, yep, there's one over there. Yep. Loud noises. I'll try and keep it down. <laughs> uh, snakes, I heard snakes over here. That's, I think there's a healthy respect in being afraid of snakes. Any others? Mice. Ah, what's that? <laughs> cool, scared of mice. There's, there's so many, isn't it? Public speaking's a big fear. People have, you know, fears of, you know, there's, there's small spaces, big spaces. Um, this morning, one of the young kids in our nine o'clock service said, their brother... <laughs> Fair We've all got fears. Now, I, I find it um, not just fascinating, but I own it as well, that as a Christian, as someone that follows Jesus, someone that, that's, that's had Christ at my very centre for so long, actually at times can be afraid of sharing that with others. Can actually be afraid of what if they don't like me? What if, they, what if this goes wrong? What if me sharing my faith has, has a, an effect on somebody else? Maybe they picture me different. And sometimes there can be a fear of sharing what is most important to me with somebody else. Or sometimes the fear isn't so much about sharing your faith. It's what if they say yes? If they say, hey, do you want to accept Jesus? And they go, yes. Then you go, oh, I don't know what to do next. Sometimes there's a fear in that space as well. Well, today we're going to look at just that. And how do we give joy? How do we give Jesus? How do we give hope to a broken world? And what does the Bible have to say about how we can do that? So let's dive in. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we know that in this life there are things to be fearful from. But in you, you have triumphed. You have conquered the world. So we know that there is no fear in you. So, Lord, I pray that you would fill us, you would speak to us where we need to hear it the most when it comes to giving joy to a broken world. Help us to be equipped to be your ambassadors today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we finish our series on giving joy. It actually finishes our our year-long series on, on complete joy. And this idea of complete joy comes from this passage in, in John 15, and we read in verse 11, I have told you 
I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The passage talks about how God has made you, God has made this world and God has made a plan for this world and if we stick within that plan, it is a loving plan. And Jesus himself lived out that plan and because of that, it's, it's a plan based on love. And Jesus lived out this love and he wants us to have this love. And if we have this plan, if we have this love, we're not just going to have these, these guiding rules for life, but we will have complete joy. It says there's no greater love than we've seen example through Jesus that someone would lay down their life for their friend, which is exactly what Jesus did. We have joy in Jesus. We have hope in Jesus. We have complete joy if we follow this way of living that Jesus has given us. But of course, life is tough and sometimes we do we live other ways and there's also consequences of that. But the beauty is this. If we choose to love our neighbour as ourself, Mark 12, 30 to 31 says, if we, we love our neighbour as ourselves, we're following the most important commandment, the way that God intended us to be able to live and treat one another. And so we know that God's plan for the world is good. We actually know this because of Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, because God saw everything that he made, and it wasn't just good, it was very good. And so if what God made was good, if God's plans are good, if God's loving nature for us is good, if Jesus lived this out, which is good, if we have Jesus in us, which is good, then we have joy. And so how do we share this joy with others? How do we share this hope with others? How do we share what we have with people around us? And I want to let you know that, that we, we studied this a little bit last week, and if you haven't watched that, I um, encourage you to go and watch that online and unpack this idea of goodness in God. But one of the greatest tools that you have to share your story or the story of God in you is your testimony. Now, a testimony, we've got some lawyers, and I've actually got some lawyers here, uh, in this service. So pull me up on this. If I get this wrong, I'll try not to look at you. But my understanding of testimony, if I summarise it in one word, it's like being a witness. It's like being a witness. So for example, the storm last night, anyone experienced the rain yeah. yesterday? So the late start? Yeah, some people are shaking their heads, some people aren't. Um, I was dropping my daughter and some other girls off at an event in Wendaree. Yesterday afternoon, about 6.30, I think it was. And it was like just huge rainstorm came through. So much so I'm sitting at the car, in the car park waiting for the rain to ease so that they can jump out and go across the road. The windscreen wipers are on flat out and it's not doing much. Like it was, it was this huge storm. And, and the girls are like, well, what should we do? I said, well, why don't you wait a couple of minutes for the storm to die down and then head across to the event? And they're like, oh, but we'll be really late. Let's go now. And I kid you not, the, the second that they open the doors and get out and close the door, I reckon the rain doubled. <laughs> it was just going <laughs> straight down. Uh, it, was, it was huge. Now, on the way home, I'm driving down Gilly Street, and I call a vet, and I can't hear anything because the rain's so loud on the car. And because when I left, I left the garage door open, thinking I'll just be out and come back and... And that'll be good. But so I'm, I'm, Yvette's trying to talk to me. It's like, I can't hear you, beautiful, but you've got to close the garage door. The snow's so bad. I get home, it's like this little sprinkle of rain. <laughs> and Yvette's like, are you okay? <laughs> it's like, it's just really wet. I promise it was really... <sighs> you see, my witness of that storm, and other people are shaking their head, they had no, they had no rain yesterday at all. Different witnesses. 
d- different angles on what was essentially just the weather yesterday afternoon. But we all have a different perspective. We all have a different testimony. The way that it affected us, the way that we saw it, our, our perspective. And I want you to know that, that everybody has a story. You have a story. You have a story that, that God has placed in you of your interactions with him. And no one can question your story because it's your witness. Now, when I got home, Yvette questioned my story of, of just like, are you okay? It's like, no, honestly, the storm was huge. It was huge. That's my story. It's my experience of it. And she can't quit, like, while she's wondering what was going on, once I explain it, she goes, oh, that's why you were all panicky on the phone on Bluetooth trying to close the shed door. What's going on? Each and every one of us has a story of Christ in us. Now, for many of us, that story happened in the past when we accepted Jesus. It's like history. But I want you to know that history, if we pull that apart, is actually his story. And his story is a part of us. And without his story, we don't have a future. Without his story in us, we don't have a present. Without his story, we don't know where we're going. And so how do we share his story in us? How do we share our testimony? How do we share this witness? Well, the first thing I want you to know when it comes to your testimony is it's not about you. Your testimony is not designed to build you up. Your testimony is not designed to to be about your ego or this terrible thing. Your testimony is not about you. It's always about Jesus. Actually, when we open up scripture, we read in Acts chapter 9, as the Apostle Luke wrote, he talks about this character called Saul and how Saul was trained and equipped to persecute Christians. He was actually really good at it. He would take them, he would find what they're doing wrong and get them locked up in jail. Sometimes they'll be killed, all all these horrendous things. And Saul was very good at his job. But then what happened is is Saul had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus, this bright light shines around and and Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Now the author Luke, when he writes this, he doesn't write this to say, look how how amazing Saul is, it always points to Jesus. Saul's name was changed to Paul and he writes most of the letters in the New Testament. His life was transformed because of this encounter in Jesus. When when Paul talks about this incredible encounter with Jesus, he also points people to Jesus. You see, your testimony is not about you. Your testimony points people to Jesus. It's about what God has done in your life. Now, there may be a moment that you want to share. There may be a a moment where God shows up. For for Saul, you're going to talk about the bright light. You're not going to go, oh, yeah, then something happened. Like, tell, tell the story. Tell your witness. Tell your account. But point people to Jesus. For example, if, if someone's had an addiction, maybe um, an addiction to alcohol, and they get up and say, hey, and then because I met Jesus, I've been sober for 25 years. And you go, wow, that's amazing. That's so good. Good on you. But you can be, like, point people to Jesus. Like, like finish it. Don't let, make it about you. It's all about Jesus. For example, there's an incredible passage of scripture that is very well known. It's probably preached on quite a lot when it comes to Jesus' interactions with other people. It's found in John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, we read about 
a, a woman who's a Samaritan woman who's by a well. Now, this woman had made poor life choices and she was trying to fill a void in her life and because of that, she, she'd left a trail of broken relationships and she was sort of seen as a bit of an outcast in the community, so much so that the well, which was the gathering point, the place where you go and catch up, you know, how's your dog, how's your kids, what's been happening? You know, all those sort of conversations take place around the well. She was at the well at a time of day when no one else was there because she didn't want to see anybody. Because her perspective, her understanding of what other people thought of her was so negative. Do you want me to say that again? Her understanding of what she thought other people thought of her was so negative that she didn't want to see anybody. Now, maybe that was correct because people may have been saying stuff to her, but she was isolated and alone. Now, last week we talked about how, how Jesus lives out God's character of love your neighbour, of, of acceptance, of kindness, of equality, of gratitude, of, of seeing people as who they are. Jesus enters this place where the well is and doesn't see someone that's messed up, doesn't see someone that's a sinner, doesn't see someone that he's going to judge and put down. He sees somebody as God's daughter. And he treats her with respect and asks her, in verse 7, will you give me a drink? Level playing field. Through the conversation, she starts to understand a little bit about who, who Jesus is and realise, hey, he's a prophet. He actually knows things about me. He asks some questions. He doesn't pull any punches. He, he points out that, hey, I know that you've been living a life that's outside of the Samaritan rules and outside of the, the, the Jewish rules. You're living outside of the, the, the covenant, the contract that God made. He doesn't pull the punch with that, but he doesn't linger on it, doesn't put her down because of it. He doesn't shy away that he knows what she's doing wrong. And they just have this deep conversation about sort of spiritual things and all of a sudden it comes to this point where there's some level ground. And the level ground comes in John chapter 25, which says, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And all of a sudden, everything changes. See, his actions spoke first. I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect, and as a human being, I'm going to show you love and kindness. I'm going to engage in conversation, and then all of a sudden, Hey, you're a prophet? Man, based on your actions, you're an incredible prophet. Hang on, actually, you're the Messiah. Now, in that point, you see everything sort of, the penny drops. This Samaritan woman's like, wow, I'm with the Messiah. Now, that could be the end of it. And some testimonies, people stop there, and then I met Jesus. But that's not the end of it. See, her life is so radically transformed. In verse 28, she leaves the water jar, the physical need that she went for. She leaves behind. She goes back to the town, to the people that she was trying to avoid. She goes, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She points people to Jesus. She points people to the one that, that transformed, that, that showed her that she had value, that showed her that there was meaning, that showed her that she was still a person, even though she'd done wrong things in the past. In verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Actually, goes on to, to say that they, they pleaded with Jesus to stay longer, and even more people from the town became and believed in Jesus. You see, she not only said the story wasn't about her, but she pointed people to Jesus. Come and meet Jesus. 
There's something happened. Something's changed in me. Come and meet the one who did that. Come and see the one who made that change. The third point is, seal the deal. If you're having a spiritual conversation with someone and you're sharing what Jesus has done for you, don't leave them hanging. It's like if I said, everybody today gets $1,000. Join us in the foyer for a coffee after the service. See you, See you next Sunday. It's like, how do you get the $1,000? You need to know how to get the money. It's like, oh, I, I want to know. Tell me how I get it. How do I receive it? Like, seal the deal. Don't leave people hanging. Seal the deal. It could be as simple as this. Would you like to accept Jesus? And if you would, pray this prayer. Jesus, I accept you. Amen. Real simple. Real simple. Start the journey. Seal the deal. Don't be afraid. God will show up. God will do his bit. But don't leave people hanging. Tell them what to do. Say the prayer. And sometimes we think like, oh, but I don't want to offend someone. Or, or I don't want to force my beliefs on someone else. Or, or maybe I'm just so afraid. I don't know what to do. I was preparing uh, this message over the last few weeks. So I listened to a, a message from Greg Laurie, Pastor Greg Laurie this week. And... Um, and I don't know who copied who, because I'd already chosen the woman at the well, but then he also chose the woman at the well. So, but he's already preached the message, so maybe it looks like I'm copying him, but anyway. But he had this great analogy for this idea of, of fear of sealing the deal. And he said, he said this story of, what if someone found a cure for cancer? And they found this tablet that cures cancer once and for all. And they were to say, hey, if we've done all the tests, we've done everything. If you take this tablet, all cancer in you would be gone now and forever. But I don't want to force it on anybody. You know, people that work in that industry may lose their jobs. I don't want to, it's maybe I believe it works. I don't want to push it on anyone. It's like, man, people are dying. Like, get it out there. You know, they can choose not to take it, but you've got to give them a choice. Don't keep it to yourself. As Christians, I want to know that people are dying. People are going to hell because they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know the way. They don't know the joy. They don't know the hope. And to be able to share that, don't be afraid. to. to you're not pushing your, your beliefs on them. You're just sharing what you believe. They can choose it or not. That's their decision, not yours. But, but don't miss the opportunity to tell people about who is number one in your life, being Jesus Christ. You have a story. You have his story in you. Without his story, we have no future and neither do others. So don't be afraid to share it. Your testimony is not about you. Your testimony points people to Jesus and don't forget to seal the deal. So important. I want to finish with this story. A boy grew up in a Christian family. He had Christian parents Christian grandparents, and they went to church every Sunday. He had a few school friends, but mostly grew up in faith through uh, the example of others, through going to church and through some camps. He gave his life to Jesus at a young age, and he dedicated his life to Jesus in his teenage years. He lived a fairly normal teenage life. He wasn't the best at anything. He wasn't the worst at, any, at anything. He still went to church and did the odd camp. He found a Christian girl, fell in love, and they got married quite young. They lived a modest life. Not much money, 
but they had good friends and went to church together. The boy, now a man, and his wife fell pregnant. Their world was turned upside down. But at the 10-week scan, the ultrasound showed that there was no baby in the womb that had a miscarriage. They adjusted to life once again, and at about 12 months on, the couple get pregnant. This time, at the 10-week scan, there is a heartbeat. There is a beautiful baby being formed. In one of the next ultrasounds, the doctors found a slight yet common issue with the umbilical cord. Nothing serious, just one of those anomalies that sometimes happen. Because of this, further scans were booked in. At one of these later scans, the doctors would call in more doctors into the room, where upon investigation, the child was to be found to be missing one of the chambers of their heart. The girl, Ellie, would be born with a condition known as a hyperplastic left heart. And at three days old, the surgeons would perform open-heart surgery to try and correct the issue. After multiple surgeries, it was evident that her heart was not strong enough and no amount of work would be able to save her. And at 10 days old, Ellie died. Why this story? I am the boy, and Ellie is my daughter. I say is, not was, because I know where she is. I have always believed in Jesus, always. And because of him, I will see Ellie again. I want you to know that life is not the end. Ellie's life on this earth was short, but I will get to spend an eternity with her. Yvette and I accepted a call to ministry because of Ellie's life. We realised that this life is so short and people are going to hell and they need hope. And so we've poured our life into serving our God. Now, why there is sadness in this, I want you to know that, that this passion for God's church was birthed out of her death. I want you to know that I love life. I really do. And I want to make the most of every day because life is short. It's probably because of that that I keep hurting myself and doing silly things. But I want you to know that because of God, I'm okay. I have tears. It's because I'm talking about my daughter and my saviour. But I'm okay, because I know where I'm going. I know that I'll spend time with her. I know that I'll be reunited with those people that, that I love that also know who Jesus is. But more than that, I want you to know what I have. I want you to know that death is not the end. I want you to know that life is worth living. I want you to know that there is purpose in following Jesus Christ. Because with him, Yvette and I have been restored in our relationship with him and with our family. We have purpose on, on knowing why we're put on this earth. And I want you to know that you have purpose as well. That you have hope. That you have joy. That you have peace. That you have comfort because of what Jesus did on the cross. That death is not the end. That the hard things that we face, if we have a foundation of who Jesus is, we can face anything this world has to offer. 
I am so grateful that my parents brought me to church every Sunday because when the trials of this earth start to to pile up and, and come towards us, it's my foundation in Jesus Christ that allows me to stand firm. And it can do the same thing for you. If you have not accepted Jesus right now, I want to give you an opportunity to accept this hope, to accept this grace, to accept this faith, and start the journey on knowing him. If you want to accept Jesus right here and now, I want to offer you this awesome opportunity to accept Jesus and pray a really simple prayer. Jesus, I accept you now. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, come and see me after the service. I'd love to have a conversation with you. I want you to know that each and every one of us has a story, and it's not about us. Each and every one of us has a story that points people to Jesus. The hope, the complete joy for a broken world. And if you get to share the story, don't be afraid to seal the deal. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be so, so simple. We have good news for a broken world, and his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have placed in each and every one of us a story, a story of our encounter with you, a story of a way that you rescued us, a story of the way that you gave us peace, a story of the way that you showed us love, a story of the way that you gave us purpose, a story that has brought life to the weariness within our soul. And God, I pray that we would have the courage and the passion to be able to share that with those around us so that others would know the hope that is found in you. Father, we just ask that you would give us the courage this week to be able to share this joy with others. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.